section. Uh, so this is, yeah, this is like the clapper thing at the start of movies, you know? You haven't action. done that for ages. I know. I, I just felt like doing it, you know, because I've been watching loads of video essays that are like hour plus long and most of them ramble on. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, come on, speed up. Uh, anyway, this is attempt two of recording because, you know, things happen right. in the world. And I want to emphasize that. I want to be open about that and say, you know what? Life sucks sometimes um, and life comes first. Just emphasize that right at the start. Life comes first um, yeah. over podcast. So some of the things that we're going to say here, we may be like, oh, yeah, we didn't say that last time. Or, oh, I didn't think about that last time. And, oh, yeah, we didn't mention this, but we did last time. So we're going to try and encompass everything that we mentioned in the recording that you haven't seen. <laughs> and we'll never see. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and go from there. So phones. Every, everyone has phones. Do they? No. No, not yeah. everyone does, but most people do. I would imagine everyone listening to this does. Yeah. And what we what we want to do is discuss what apps we actually use on our phones, where they are, why they're there, and not just phones, but also devices, other devices, if we have any things that we use. So we're going to be talking about software. Yeah. To start yeah. with, to start with, I'm going to just share my, my phone screen to everyone. So everyone can see my, my lovely organized phone screen. You cleaned um, it up as well. <laughs> no, 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 I, I haven't. Well, I don't need to clean it up. It looks exactly the Hi. same. For those watching, you can see it. For those listening, I will describe everything that you see. Um, so my home screen is literally where I live. I have one other screen to the right, which just, just for proof, I'm going to show the camera. It's the uh, month widget from Google Calendar. That's the right. But... Most of my day is, is not in there. I only go there when I want to add something either like, hey, there's a football match going on. England are playing wherever or rugby matches going on. England are playing wherever or someone's coming to visit. Something like that, like a, an event, like a main thing that I need to quickly dump in somewhere. But that's it. The rest of my day is with the Morgan widget, which shows me all of my Morgan events, the time, the weather, my Bing search engine, just going to emphasize the Bing bit there, because <laughs> I use AI, I use Bing AI to search the internet. I don't bother with like Google search or Bing search, it's just AI, tell me what's going on. And then we get into like my main app stuff. And I'm going to say the main apps that are down the bottom, and then I'm going to move over to you. So we've got a bit of interjection there. On the far left, which is the furthest away of, from my thumb, it's my messages. Inside of that is my group of you're doing stuff on your phone. Then I have Spotify, which is for obviously listening to music when I'm doing, I say chores, but they're not really chores. It's just doing stuff around the house, um, whether that's cleaning, washing up or just sitting, wanting to do nothing, which isn't nothing. It's relaxing. Um, so that's music and then obviously podcasts as well. Uh, oh, cycling, putting music on for cycling. Then the closest thing. So the things that I use the most apart from Spotify, is my clock. So stopwatch. <laughs> um, and Morgan. So basically, my entire home screen on my phone is a Morgan widget, which takes up three-fifths of the widget space, and then a Morgan button right by my thumb as soon as I pick up my phone. So you could argue my phone is Morgan, which I think that's where most of my time is spent. John, what about you? 
Well, my incredibly tidy home screen, which has not been changed in the last week at all, <laughs> for audio listeners, minute sarcasm. Uh, yeah, so after our like partial recording, I was like, yeah, I'm like, why have I got all these apps? I don't use that one, don't use that one, don't use that one. So I, I'm now on one screen. Ooh. Not two. Um, and I have... So here is mine, which we will take a few seconds to do. Oh, look at that. There we oh, go. nice. Oh, you, you've got space. You have space. I know. I know, right? I went, I just was like, okay, cool. What do I actually need? And it got very similar to you. It's like I had Morgan there on the, uh, so if you start on the far left, I've got um, a folder on the far left. Yeah. Right on here, um, which is literally all of the kids' apps. So that's related to the school, so I can keep track of homework for my son, so I can keep track of, like, topping up their account when it comes to getting food and all that stuff. Um, so that's on the far left. Then in the middle, I have all communication apps now. Originally, it was just Voxer, but I have a folder now, um, which has my Slack, my WhatsApp, my Voxer, and my messages, oh. uh, which is different from last time. Previously, it was just messages, and then I had all of the other apps on that screen. Then I have clock because I don't know why I didn't do that. But now I have clock in the exact same position you do. <laughs> because it's so useful. Like it's just stupidly useful. I don't understand why I never did that before. Um, and then I have Morgan because that is the app that I use most of the time. So I'm I'm curious. You didn't have folders last time. What made you use folders? Is it because I showed you my folders or is it because you were like, oh yeah, I should probably use them more? Yeah, it was the fact that I was searching so much and I'm like, why am I searching? I don't need to have like, because yeah. we were talking about that last time around like all the searching and I was like, oh, I just search for things. Like, why? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> There's no good reason to search. I just do. Um, the only thing I do search for is the social apps because that just puts a slight barrier mm -hmm. for me. Um, but that may change as things change. But for now, they are yeah. behind a search function. And then on the actual app screen, I have the weather. I have the Alexa app because I communicate with my kids when they're upstairs or doing other things. Um, I have the health app. Why? Don't know. It's still there. That's one app that still remains there. Um, uh, oh, we know. Actually, it is there because I'm trying to track um, symptoms. Uh... Uh, then I have smart things, which controls all the lights in the house. And then I have Obsidian, which is there because... Obsidian. Yeah, because <laughs> it's Obsidian. And yeah, yeah, that's prim primarily it, really. But before before I continue on with my little explanation of my phone setup and stuff, Morgan, I I use Morgan all the time. I use Morgan for a, a few different things, and I use I use Morgan as a note taker as well as a task manager, event manager, time manager, project manager, whatever you want to call it, thing. Um. I'll start with you. What do you use Morgan for, sort of like on a daily basis? Is it just check calendar? Yep, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Go do it. Is that it, or is there more to it? Uh, it is. It's kind of similar to you. If I have to, the moment I need to remember something, I will automatically go to Morgan and just write it down. Oh yeah, cool. I've been asked to do this. 
put it in, Morgan. I'm Where'd gonna you have to it? think about that. Hmm? Where'd you put it? Uh in the tasks. Yeah. I just put it in as a task. Unless I know it's a deadline thing, then I put it in an event, but most of the time it is in the tasks. Okay. And then so do you have a task list for bringing stuff in or because I I have a task list for notes and then I have different task lists for other sort of areas, I guess you could say, of life. Um, so, so I still, th this bit's still in flux because I'm just figuring out what I'm doing, but I'm using the thing that I had before where I have like the business tasks. I ha have it linked to like the tags feature in Morgan. So I have my business tasks, which are the things that earn money get things in um then i have the adulting tasks which are just boring life things <laughs> um and then i have like regenerative stuff that fills my cup because i have a tendency to not do that when i'm doing lots of things um so i have those three lists most of the time if i a lot of my stuff that i use it for is business tasks so i can just go in look at my business tasks and go, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. Cool. Excellent. Let's go do that. Uh, but sometimes it just goes into the inbox because I can't be bothered. Like, I know where everything is. And now we have the upcoming feature. It's quite nice because I can see, oh, cool. I've got an upcoming task. That's useful to know. Yeah, I must admit, when I'm on my phone, I use task due dates. When I'm on my computer, I don't. Because when I'm on my computer, it's because it's scheduled. So I don't need a due date because it's been planned. Yeah. Like, it's got planned start, planned end. But when I'm on my phone, I'm not sure when I want to do it. So I'm like, mm, let's just say I'm going to address this tomorrow or in three days mm. or next Monday, or whatever. So that's what I use the due date for on my phone with when it comes to like notes and stuff. So Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so if, if I uh, go into my Morgan a little bit, just so... Yeah. Uh, just so I know sort of like what's going on. Um, I use my inbox for most sort of quick things. So mm -hmm. things that I know is going to be, uh, I need to do that or that should be done or I need to be aware of that. So at the moment when I look at my inbox, I know I need to do a Morgan intro video for a course for the Morgan Made Simple course. You can guess who that's with. Um, I need to, <laughs> uh, I need to do uh have a look around for other creators talking about calendars and stuff i then have a birthday list because my birthday is at the end of october and my family's like oh what do you want for your birthday every year and i'm like i don't know <laughs> so i've added a task in there to say like birthday list and anything that i start thinking about i put in there and that's just in my inbox and then a couple of other things that it's just oh i could do that but i'm not sure and it doesn't relate to anything specific it's just something to do then all the other lists are area, I guess you could say focused, notes. So research notes, the DH channel, my Danny Hatcher channel, that's about tech stuff. ES channel, about video essays. Substack, about the news articles, which I think we'll talk about uh, later. I'll talk about one later. Um, the academy. So I'm merging the course, the Obsidian Onboarding course, into an academy because it makes more sense because it's not step-by-step -step instructions. It's, hey... Here's a load of resources, but you could just talk and figure out what's going on. <laughs> um, and then the book, which is like a whole other thing. So or I, I know when I add something on my phone, I know where it goes. And sometimes, 
this, this is going to sound odd and potentially unproductive, but sometimes I add tasks on my phone, even though I'm on my computer. No, it makes sense to me. Because if even though I'm on my computer, I can push control shift K and type and add all the stuff in. Sometimes I, I just want to, I just want to be on my phone and add the thing in. Being on your phone is unproductive. You can't do that. If you're on your phone, you'll be distracted. Notifications will tell you everything and make you. How many, how many hours are you on your phone, John? No, no. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to admit to my. <laughs> I've only been on my phone for 37 minutes. <laughs> it's actually down. I, it was interesting after I was like, oh, that's quite a bit of time on my phone. That's quite a bit of time doing that, which a lot of it was work, but it did make me go, huh, cool. Let's check in on that one. Am I happy with that? Nope, not really. <laughs> do I want to change that? Yeah, I think I do, which is nice to do. Yeah, so for, for reference, last time we spoke about the hours we are on a phone, I spent around an hour on my phone a day. Um, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. But most of my time on my phone, I'm looking at this week, it was an hour and a half with the clock, <laughs> an hour on Zwift, which is cycling, uh, and then, yeah, my most used was three hours on YouTube, but the three hours on YouTube is looking and replying to comments mm. because I, I run three YouTube channels that have lots of comments <laughs> and that's what I do on my phone. So, yeah, I I spend on average about nine hours a week on my phone. Wow, that week I spent like, okay, apparently some weeks I spend like no time on my phone. That I spent three and a half hours on my phone, then four and a, a half week. hours on my phone in a week, four and a half hours on my phone, six hours a week on my phone. So yeah, if I go backwards in time, I actually spent less time on my phone. I think it's because the channel, the second channel has yeah. had more comments. So YouTube's been doing that more. But yeah, so I spend about an hour on my phone a day, if, yeah. if not less. And most of that time is not on social media. I've spent 27 minutes on X a week. And people say that I'm on Twitter too much, X too much. And I'm like, 27 minutes a week. Nope. I'm just very efficient with the time that I use on X. I get notified of the people I care about. And I don't really look through anything else. I scroll through the list that I have. Uh, then get very bored very quickly because no one's saying anything useful and that's it <laughs> yeah this week's been interesting i mean we've still got two days um i'm definitely in a high rest period right now because of lots of life stuff so i'm resting more than usual mm. um which i noticed um which i'm kind of just slow i'm, I'm in that transition between the two so um uh, 12 hours on youtube uh this week but i have premium so it's in the background the whole time uh, and i've been watching a lot of hermitcraft and i think it counts across multiple devices are you watching decked out too oh hell yeah i am <laughs> it's fantastic I, I watched tango build the thing the whole year and then when it came, when it was released i was like yes i'm watching all the things so i've been watching his live streams whilst making um thumbnails so literally i've got like his four hour live stream on my watch later list that i'll probably put on times two <laughs> and watch later so it's like i've been i i was just this morning watching gemini's run 
uh, a second season. I watched the first one, the f- have first phase the week before, and I watched Pearls the day before. I haven't finished Pearls, but I, I mean, I've been wa- I watch Hermitcraft. It's one of the things that I do to relax and chill out. So I didn't subscribe to like. I'm not going to say all of the hermits, but most of the hermits. I actively watch about 15 of them, 15 to 20 of them. So yeah, I've 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 watched more decked out too than I I, I think you should healthily watch. Because <laughs> like, oh, Tango's got his second channel, which is all his live stream. So I watch all of them, and then I watch all of the creators like videos of them. So like some of it's, it's so cool. It's yeah. Just, yeah, I did start watching the live stream yesterday. Anyway, back 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 on track. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, and then I have about eight and a half hours on Facebook, but that's part of my work as well. So Mm -hmm. I would say probably about four hours of that is work and four hours of that is not. Um, And then I have... Who is on Facebook that you talk to? Because my friends are not on Facebook. Like, they have an account on Facebook. It is primarily what my job is. I do coaching in a Facebook group. Okay, that so, makes sense now. Yeah. So your Facebook is my Discord. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and then I have D and D and D Beyond for like six hours, but that is because I play D and D, um, and it's all in the background. Uh, I had two sessions this week, hence why so long. Uh, a little bit of TikTok. Been doing some research on TikTok. TikTok. Re- I know. <laughs> pause. What? Research and TikTok in the same sentence. Not like researching anything of that caliber. Actual research, research. <laughs> yeah, real research. Uh, yeah. yeah, not real research. So, just... What What were you doing then? I'm curious. I want to. I want to poke. Uh, some of it was around D and D stuff because I'm about to start a new campaign, so I'm getting some resources around that. Um, a little bit was just kind of coming back into social media and that kind of fast short form content um just so i can gain that knowledge as i'm about to start into or regain that knowledge i should say i don't like that word i don't like that at all Mm. i um... retune myself yeah to that space um as i'm kind of coming back to business and bringing myself back in that space seeing what happens on there and yeah just little bits and bobs from there um yeah yeah so um i was looking at my phone and having a look at notifications because i know you don't use your phone for notifications and i do um i today so today for reference we've been awake for what 11 hours uh oh wow no it's not even 10 o'clock not even 10 hours i have 13,389 notifications <laughs> on my phone from today. Oh, 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 oh no. <laughs> I have that's 100... just today. Uh, this week, let's go to today. Oh, that just makes me cry. I've had 21 notifications today. <laughs> and people are even going to say, how in the world do you have that many notifications? Because I use my phone as a notification hub. So any YouTube video that is published from any YouTube creator, I force YouTube to um, post notifications to me. Like I don't just push the bell. I push the bell and tick the uh, the notified thing. Always notify, yeah. So I have the all bell ticked on for every single channel I'm subscribed to, which is like 
a couple thousand. So I get every single video that someone posts, I get a notification for. Um, I also, anyone that's interesting to me on X, I get notified for whenever they tweet. So if you've got someone like uh, Steve Magnus that's promoting his book at the moment, every tweet that he shares, I see. So I will like it from my sort of like drop down notification thing on my phone rather than going into X, which is probably why my X time is low. Um, or I'll just swipe the notifications across. So if I go on my phone now, I have, I don't know, it says plus nine, nine, but it always says plus nine, nine. I scroll down, I can just like swipe right to get rid of a lot of the notifications. And so I'll do that 30 times a day, just to go through all notifications and see what's going on with the world. That's how I keep up to date. But I can see you're like, no, no, no. The most notifications I got this week was 156. That was on Thursday, and that was with my son. I'm just going to go back to the thingy. Yeah, I, I've had another 102. 100 and, yeah, 102 it, just in that time. But that's because it's early in the morning, and that's where a lot of the notifications pop through. I can't. I couldn't. I I could not for the life of me deal with <laughs> Um, and I, this this is going to relate to something that I started thinking about when you mentioned, um, uh, I can't even remember what you mentioned. You mentioned something a minute ago, and it made me think about the Andrew Huberman recent AMA, where he talks about task switching. It was posted yesterday. I think it was a joke about um, being on your phone all the time and how bad it is and distractions. Yeah. Something about that. that, yeah. Well, essentially, they did, or he did a... AMA video, which is in his premium thing, but he shared the first half an hour or so on YouTube for free. How nice of him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I was watching it and it's it's meant to be an AMA about task switching, right? For the first 20 minutes, he doesn't mention at all when you start or end a task I stopped watching it after 20 minutes, which is why I say first 20 minutes, because he may mention it later on. But he talks about task switching, but doesn't distinguish the difference between the start of a task and the end of a task. So he then goes on to talk about people that struggle with task switching, people that struggle with focus and attention and the way the brain works and the prefrontal cortex and all these other potential areas for possible causes, loads of speculation, which irritates me and he's a neuroscientist and he didn't talk about when you start or end a task then goes on to discuss how you can add a protocol or how you can add things to help you with switching tasks and said you may find this mildly ironic you need to warm up to your tasks and you need to cool down from your tasks and you can't just jump into a task and i'm like I agree. I agree. But when do you start the warm up? When do you start the, he called it transition phase? Your transition phase could be 15 seconds. It could also be instant. And it can also be during another task. Exactly. Overlapping. <laughs> which is what it is. And I'm, I'm sitting here bashing I my mean, head. Even, even if you don't follow the ecological philosophy, I suppose philosophy. That's where we're it. Yeah, the it's a philosophical approach, approach. So yeah, we can go with that. If you, if you don't, even if you don't follow the ecological approach, I don't have a clue. I don't. I don't think 
I assume that you agree that it is not one, oh, then stop, then another, then another, then stop, then another. It all merges into one. Unless your day is amazing and like you have some crazy stuff that allows you to do that. And because I would say that's a disability. I, I would say if you can't focus on more than one thing at a time, you are disabled because it means you are unable to think about anything apart from that one thing for that one section of time, which is not effective in any way because you can't look at the clock and write something because they are two separate tasks. Wait, no, that, that, that's dumb. And this is this is the thing that's in the neurodivergent space of like oh you've got to stop doing multiple things at once why why like if we assume yeah and how like let's assume for 30 seconds that the approach isn't flawed completely which it is (laughs) completely flawed and is so dumb but anyway we'll go there in a minute but like let's assume that that's where we're going and we'll use that approach how are you supposed to stop yourself and that is the whole thing is everyone wants to know how to focus on one thing at a time focus on the why oh well i don't get things done well well no you won't when you're spending all your time trying to focus on focusing yeah I need to do the Pomodoro technique. I need to start my timer at this time. I need to make sure that I stop at that time. You, you're thinking about the freaking clock rather than what it is that you want to be doing. Yeah. And if you're worried about the clock and not being able to get stuff done in time, you might be 10 minutes you into the Pomodoro timer going, I need to start because I've only got 15 minutes left. I need, how have I not started? I've got 15 minutes left. Well, now you're not thinking about the work. You're thinking about because you haven't done the work, which is... Ugh. And breathe. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so Andrew spoke about this task switching. And <laughs> I, I wanted I No, wanted... he didn't. He didn't talk about task switching. Not really. But I wanted to emphasize this point, which um I am not emphasizing inside of replying to comments because I'm getting the same comment in the video about social science not being real and blah blah blah. He's from neuroscience, a typically more hard science because it's brain science and it's metric, it's objective. Yes, brain activation is there. Great. But the interpretation of the data you're using, i.e. what does that brain activation mean? That is social science. That is psychology. When you look at task switching, where do you say you've started the task or you've ended the task? Oh, the brain activation levels are lower in this area. So the activation in the brain is different but the activation in the brain is always different if you're moving forwards in time which we always are so we're always switching tasks it's how big is the intensity it's the weight of the the difference that matters but if i'm doing a task categorized by writing my brain activation from one second to the next second could be drastically different because i'm thinking about something different does that mean I switch task? No. Does it mean I've started thinking about something else? Yes. But the categorization of the task is up to me. I can do what I want with it, which means task switching is redundant unless you're looking at specific types of task defined by metrics that are objective, which isn't real of 
human experience. Uh, so when I look at the task switching neuroscience, what it's actually looking at for me is cognitive psychology, how they define task switching inside of uh, research studies, and looking at memory capacities, memory limits, attention limits, attention abilities, which obviously an ecological approach, approach, we reject a lot of those assumptions, so they're not questions we would ask. So even though Andrew is giving neuroscience and evidence-based protocols for helping task switching, he's helping with a practice that isn't indicative of real life experience. So people who are going to struggle to apply it. And when I looked at the comments, people were like, oh yeah, I do that. Oh yeah, I do that. But then there's half the other people going, that makes sense. Or I don't know how to do this, or it doesn't work for me. And I'm like, of course it doesn't work for you. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah. But I do want to preface, or I do want to say now that I do enjoy the fact that he's sharing these conversations online. So we can have the conversation, we can have the debate. It's not hidden in all the academic, well, barriers of finances and money and terms and conversations and stuff. Um, yes. So this is where I would like a psychologist or sociologist to have a discussion with Andrew about the neuroscience he discusses, which I think is difficult because most psychologists and sociologists are built from the assumptions of the cognitive approach. And so we just emphasize what it is that he's saying. So finding yeah. a contradictory view to neuroscience, I think requires an ecological psychologist yeah. or someone following the ecological approach that understands the neuroscience he's talking about, which I think a lot of ecological um, people do. Because most people that are in the ecological camp have come from cognitive psychology over to yeah. ecological psychology. Yeah. I, I don't see many going the other way. <laughs> once, you've, once you've taken the pill, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing else you want to add? No. Right. I'm going to get to my little group of stuff. Uh, so. Group. Yeah, on my phone, I have a, a group, as mentioned, down in the bottom. It's for oh, yeah, that's what you're talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I treat uh, my apps as priority, bottom right to top left. Um, so I go from right to left and then from bottom to top because that's where my thumb is. So at the moment, I, I will I will show my screen, uh, show my phone on screen so people can see. I'm going to hide my face so it focuses. Yes, my phone's broken. Apologies. Bottom right, I have Instagram. And the only reason Instagram is down there is because that's where gra graphic designers and uh, motion graphic people put stuff. And that's what I'm learning at the moment. I am looking to, vet to develop my skill in editing and that's my focus. The next two, so bottom left, so left one and up one is X on the left because that's where I go to find out whatever's going on inside of the research field. So most of the time it's looking at bookmarks or academic stuff. Um, and then Zwift because I cycle most days. Then the next line I have is Discord for <laughs> talking with people. That's where I spend most of my time talking. A calculator because math. <laughs> I can do it in my head, but I prefer using tech because I know it's going to be accurate. Uh, and then at Obsidian for longer form notes. So you're starting to see this is like the, you know, I don't really use this much. I use it every once in a while. Then I have the Zwift companion app. So when I want to look at what other people on Zwift are doing, because Zwift is a game, 
it's like Mario Kart, but instead of using a controller, you're using your body to cycle. Uh, <laughs> then a gallery for images and videos. So when I'm screen recording stuff and just looking at pictures. And then WhatsApp. So you can see WhatsApp's like really low down on the priority, but it's where my family communicate with me. And again, that's where I don't use the app to go in. I use the notifications to go in rather than mm -hmm. like search or stuff. And then the two banking apps, Nationwide and Santander, and my email's right at the top left. So that's like effort to get to. The next little group, uh, I'm going to show screeners again. So again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see what I mean. Um, the next little group, I rarely actually come into here. And we got Strava down bottom right, the Play Store and the NHS app, the NHS app for ordering medication, Play Store for adding apps, then TikTok. <laughs> so TikTok's like way down on priority. Um, Lidl and uh, Asda Rewards. So when I'm going shopping, I'll put that in to see if there's anything there. Most of the stuff that they share on rewards, I don't eat because it's like, hey, here's loads of chocolate or here's loads of sweets or here's loads of sugar or here's loads of alcohol. And like, I don't consume most of that stuff. Like, do I eat sweets? Yes. Not often. Do I have chocolate? Yes. Not often. <laughs> I don't need more sugar in me. I am energized enough. Thank you very much. Um, and then like, <laughs> I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> I don't need it. Um, or sugary things, sugary sweet um, drinks or anything like that. Uh, then I got YouTube. But again, I go to YouTube through notifications, not through the app. Uh, Substack, just to check Substack, and then LinkedIn. And that is the extent of my phone usage. Do I have other apps on my phone? Yes. Do I know what they are? No, not really. <laughs> They're inside my apps. Let me see if there's anything different. Obviously, you've got the, the, the default googly stuff. There's a couple of parking apps in here where you have to pay for parking that I use like once when I have to pay for the parking. Um, uh, Eventbrite, that's for the one event that I did this year that you that needed it. <laughs> the research conference. I have chess, I have the chess.com app on here. I, I don't think I've ever used it on my phone. <laughs> I think I installed it because it was a good idea and then never used it. Um, and then just I don't even know what other apps Netflix, Samsung Pass, Radio. Yeah, probably just default apps my phone through on there, but yeah, sounds like it. Do you have any other apps on your phone from your, your main screen? Um, I have lots of apps. I have Duolingo. Mm -hmm. um, what language are you, you learning? Or uh, sort Japanese. Of learning? Japanese. Yes. It's not easy. No. <laughs> like, I was thinking maybe learn like, I don't know, American or Australian, something like that. <laughs> no, um, Japanese. I mean, it's still. My son is currently learning Russian, German. Totally different other. languages, huh? Totally different languages. Maybe if I was thinking like, because like, the I don't know enough about languages to get this accurate, but I'm pretty sure like the French, Spanish, German, sort of like the European languages all have similar backgrounds in the way that the language is formed like italian german spanish those sorts of things so you can sort of transition between them i know my my um my was she step on i don't know i have a relate a person that's related to me that fluently speaks 14 languages but a lot of them are very similar like in the foundations of the language but russian and german are i'm pretty sure they're like drastically different yes they are <laughs> How, how is you it know, going? 
he absolutely well for Aiden, he adores it. Like he is on there every single day. Like the whole fam, we we got the family plan for Duolingo recently because we're all enjoying it. Um, and yeah, that he's loving it. I'm loving it. Um, even during a rest period, I can at least squeeze in one session a day. On the topic of language, I have a question for you now. Oh. BSL. Yes. I don't think it's on Duolingo because it's a sign language. Uh, for mm-hmm. I, I assumed BSL stands for British Sign Language. There is ASL, which is American Sign Language. Obviously, being in Britain, I know basic BSL. Do you, will you, how do you move forwards with BSL? Because BSL is going to be a GCSE in 2025. And I'm thinking if Aiden likes languages, BSL might be a language he could learn and then get a GCSE in. One, school benefit, yay. Two, if he's interested in languages, that opens up a different community to him. That's true. Thoughts? I think there is a really good, I don't, I swear I've seen it recently advertised multiple times because, of course, I like languages, so it will show it up. But there's a number of apps that are related to British Sign Language. Hmm. Um, I've, I've got a couple of them. This is a this is a deep cut now. Um, during the summer, I ran um, a tabletop role-playing game that was British Sign Language. It was designed to be used. It's called Inspire Isles. And it is a magic, very fantasy, Celtic fantasy. Um, and the spells you cast were British Sign Language. Wow. You spelt out the well, So is it, is it through like letters? Or... Yeah, so they have that. And they also had actual signs for specific things. Wow, that's cool. It was. Because... I had a lot of fun. Being someone, so uh, for those unfamiliar with the uh, deaf community, there are two different types of deaf, (laughs) Um, which sounds odd. You have the deaf people, capital D, that are inside the deaf community, i.e. they could still hear, but they can communicate with with the deaf. So they normally are fluent in sign language or some sort of sign language, and they engage in the community, community events and activities and stuff like that. Um, But then you also have, deaf people that are either hard of hearing because they are classified as deaf this is in britain anyway obviously other communities are going to have different guidelines rules things um so i am deaf but i'm not part of the deaf community so i'm like i'm lowercase d deaf (laughs) Uh, because i'm half deaf or if you want to be more accurate i'm hard of hearing uh so I'm deaf, but I'm not in the deaf community. And trying to get into the deaf community from the outside is actually quite difficult because obviously you need to make friends with people that are in the deaf community, which is fine, but you need to then interact with them. And interacting with deaf people online is the same as interacting with deaf people, uh, with non-deaf people online because it's text on a screen. So the only real way to be involved in the deaf community is in person for, from my experience anyway. Yeah. And when I started, I was like, COVID, yeah, there's no communities or groups or anything like that. So I'm like, I want to be able to be engaged in the deaf community, but I don't know enough people to sign with. Mm. And that, and that's my problem. And that to me is one of those limitations with some of these more minority communities because they are minority communities, it's hard to get involved, even if you want to. Um, 
so I'm just sharing my experience, my thoughts on that. Uh, but I would, I would love to learn BSL like more. I, I, I can do the the language. I, I can second do the language. I can do the alphabet pretty consistently. I could spell out words, but obviously it takes ages to spell words. I know how to ask questions, but I need someone to respond and talk to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I just thought I'd, quite rusty. Yeah, I just thought I'd share share that as a as an experience when it comes to like learning languages and being involved in communities because it's not easy. No. Which I think is a nice little transition point to what I think we wanted to talk about. I love that. That, that, oh, that was a smooth. <laughs> that was silky smooth. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can see what, you can see where I've gone with that as well, can't you? I like that. Um, I all I'm gonna say to preface this because I want John to explain um his experience before I go in, but I wrote a newsletter article with it's coming out tomorrow as we're recording this about my experience researching ADHD, and this is in preparation for a video about this which I've been planning for almost a year. Yeah, and it's been very difficult to work out how to share my experience without being negligent of other people's experiences and i shared it with john and john has read it he's read the first draft and he's read the draft that's going to go out tomorrow so john what's your thoughts experiences and feelings what did you feel um when when reading it pros and cons probably the most like respectful way you've ever approached it right. i think that's that that is the best it's not quite the right words but i'm not sure i can find the right words in terms of the feeling of it and like oh interesting like when we have discussed it before it's been obviously top of mind thoughts not thought about it's just top of mind which you can tell Little nuance this, and caveats added. <laughs> there was so there was there was it was handholdy in a good way. Handholdy in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think... It was a really it was really it it was well described, well explained. You it didn't feel like a judgment on the ADHD world it wasn't a personal attack which often people who are on the op the opposite side <laughs> yeah which is the default for people on in that community it is us v them anyone who has a differing opinion is dismissed told they're wrong told they're harmful, told they're this. You're still going to get that. Oh, yeah, I, I have accepted that. But it's it was done with so much respect, which I think is going to draw people's attention in. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah, because it is, as, as I was just alluding to, I am deaf, but I'm not part of the deaf community. I am not diagnosed as 
ADHD, autism, or any other neurodevelopmental disorder that's encompassed in the DSM-5. I don't have that diagnosis. Yeah, well, the DSM-5 is shit anyway, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not actively engaged in, I don't know what term to use, because I don't know what's accurate, the neurodivergence movement communities. Neurodivergent. It depends on who you well, talk to. Well, yeah, because neurodivergent is a word that describes neurodivergence in neural activity in the brain, but neurodivergence as an identity is mentioning people as part of the movement. To me, as a sociologist and psychologist, there is very little differentiating factors between those terms and words. So the meaning for me is essentially the same, but I recognize the meaning for other people is different because meaning are in people, not words. and I think in the video, I want to emphasize that meanings are in people, not words, because the words used in these movements are extremely complicated and obviously political because the whole movement is meant to be political. It was built to be political <laughs> and to make change. So the article is trying to be kind I see it as my um, introduction letter. <laughs> Mm. to the other letter it's deceiving yeah yeah Yeah. because i know some of the views i hold will bring in conflict there will be people that disagree and i understand i recognize that and i also accept that it's almost it's almost what i want i want people to come at me and say no you're wrong and then explain why and then we have a discussion about why and how and where, because those are the learning experiences that I personally have gone through. And those are the learning experiences I would want other people to go through as well to gain my perspective. And I feel like that would be beneficial, but you're probably better positioned to speak on that because you have gone through the, you've gone through the matrix. You, you, you've taken the pill. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah it... And I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I have been in the neurodiverse, neurodivergent, ADHD, et cetera, et cetera space. I spoke at one of the summits and one of the online summits that was run. Is that the summit we that I show uh, that I watched or is it you referring to another one? No, a different one. All right. Yeah. Um. So I spoke at that and I've I've been in that world. And I'm running, like, I I just am moving away. Because every time I'm in there, or I'm going to be talking about this a lot, this is kind of what my focus is going to be for a while, is vocalising this around how so much of the space, the movement, is so... It's leave it with the sound. Oh. <laughs> it's the assumption is there's something wrong with you, and we should be proud that there is something wrong with us. I'm going to challenge that slightly. I think it's an unspoken assumption. Yeah, because these spoken words by those in the neurodivergent space say you're not broken, you don't need to be fixed. Yes, but then they proceed <laughs> to try and fix. Yes, exactly. so I did, I did skip a layer there, apologies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like they say one thing and are doing the exact opposite. 
And I'm just like, I, th- I think it's because they don't, this could sound like I'm attacking their intelligence here. I'm not. I th- I think it's because they don't understand the science that they're using as evidence for the claims that they're making. So they are making assumptions unknowingly, which contradict their actions and behaviors, which to me, when we look at pop philosophy of practice, that is going against your ability to be integral to your philosophy. Your behavioral integrity is decreased because you're talking about assumptions from science that I would argue they don't understand well enough, deeply enough to justify their actions in fixing. They're not, they're not fixing, but solutions to things. And you're like, doesn't make sense. And even when they do have that knowledge and research that they've done, it is all cognitively driven. It's all biased. And it's so biased to that instead of what I believe, and I think we both believe, is a more accurate representation of real life. <laughs> a more ecologically valid, you could say. <laughs> Crazy, right? Rock the mic. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, every single time I talk to someone, every neurodiverse, oh, well, I really struggle with it. Okay, so stop doing it. Why are you doing it? Oh, I don't know, because I should. Okay, but so why? From what I've experienced listening, so when I mentioned earlier about the video essays I've been listening to, they have been inside of disability movements, neurodiverse movements, ADHD, autistic, uh, are the main ones, because obviously social media loves to talk about those, but also other disabilities such as deaf, such as partially sighted, because I am part of both of those, well, I could be part of both of those communities because of the disability I have, but I'm not because. That just made me, that is exactly the same experience I have because I am blind and have Mm -hmm. been since birth. Partially cited as the correct term, but meh. Um, But I have never been part of that community. So I think it might even like, I'm noticing connections between your relationship with the the identity of neurodiverse and that because you have the traits of ADHD. You have those traits, those collections of behaviors. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like that is without a doubt. <laughs> there is no doubt in anyone's mind. Nope. But you don't care that's, that's not the right word but it, it's just like meh okay yeah, it, just it's, it's the words that i would use i don't care because they are behaviors so what adding a label and that, to it and i think that's the same thing with me and my sight so yeah i can't see <laughs> can't see how that I, I i don't have good depth perception yeah yep but i would that... never associate myself with the the blind community even though Strictly speaking, I, I don't mention it. I don't talk about it because uh, unless it's practical, because they have to tell someone, I can't see you, you need to move. <laughs> Which is hilarious considering when we were together, I got on your blind. That's so funny. I still can't believe how funny that was. I, I think it was kind of useful, like the fact that I can hear in my left and like your, because like your blind side was where I was standing. Yeah. 
<laughs> so you didn't have to go near a road that you couldn't see because yeah. I <laughs> I had to stand on that side so I could hear you. So funny, so funny. Um, but yeah, and it it was interesting. Like now, I'm, now I'm thinking about it and seeing that it, it's the exact same thing. It's the same with like my issues with going out and like my agoraphobia, whatever you want to call it, another label, yay. Like I never really talk about it. And I am just like, yeah, okay. Apart from the one time on stage when I spoke about it, but that's beside the point. But that was because it was something I wanted to just do and try. Um, I haven't really mentioned it and I don't really socialize, like talk about it at all because it just is a, a matter, a part of who I am. It's not all of who I am. It's just a snippet. And I think my relationship with the label has shifted quite drastically because it's like, yes, sure, I'm autistic. Great. And? So what? It means I'm going to say things very blunt at you, which I've done multiple times, and people laugh and find it hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, well, you live. <laughs> so, so, and and that is exactly where I'm 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 getting to. But so much of the space is is like like we were saying is the oh us v them, which is just so. Where oh. where I find this interesting as. As I was sort of alluding to with the video essays and all these people talking about the stuff, when you actually listen to the conversation they're talking about, they're saying everyone is different. Everyone is unique. Everyone has their own solutions, their own problems, disabilities are related to society in and some yet way they because don't ever do anything about it. They just talk about the problem. It drives me insane. It's so dull. It's like we struggle. You should change for us. Okay, fine. It would be nice if everyone could change for everybody, but then we would be in utter chaos because nobody works in the same way. And I think everybody is slightly different. Well, we know it is. So, small side tangent. I was told yesterday by someone from, so I Can Study is a YouTube channel that Justin Sung has started pushing with his business company thing. They posted a video about note taking. I didn't like the video, but I watched it and shared my thoughts. And I was told by one of the people in the comment section that I am, quote, overestimating human brain differences. Because I was saying, they essentially said linear note taking is ineffective. Yet every prolific writer writes linearly. And the argument is that, oh, no, everyone's brain is basically the same, like long, like long yeah. comment short. And I was like, you're dumb. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was like, you're dumb. You don't read research and you're trying to tell me all this sort of stuff that you have no evidence for. You're making claims. This is the problem with the video. The video makes assumptions that everyone's the same, but we're not. Like most of my comments is you overlook the nuance, the overlook the nuance, you didn't add context, people are individual, this all depends, you've added too many assumptions here. Like that was essentially all of my comments throughout the video. Um, and everyone's like, no, 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 we're all the same. No, we're not. Shut up. No. But when when I see the movements and the movements categorizing themselves as 
disabled. I understand. Yes, you are disabled, but you're also abled. But you are both. You can be both at the same time. In one environment, you may be disabled. In another environment, you may be abled. And the example that I gave inside of the newsletter, which people may be able to relate to, is when I didn't know sign language, I was disabled when I went into a deaf room because I couldn't communicate with anyone. I was disabled from communicating. When I learned sign language, I was now enabled to communicate. So a neurotypical person that has no neurodevelopmental disabilities in a room with neurodiverse people with neuro neurodevelopmental disabilities, which one has the disability? If everyone's speaking at times two speed, getting through topics and interrupting each other to get to the next part of the conversation and the neurotypical can't keep up, who's the one disabled? Mm. The one that can't keep up. Mm. <laughs> so when, when I look at the us v them, it's so redundant because they are relying on biology as the cause. But we know biology isn't the cause and they even say biology isn't the sole cause. But they build their movement on those assumptions, which is where I think a lot of the conflict comes when you look at the conversations. The conversations, from what I see, both parties in the conversation assume biology is the main cause they talk about. And environment is just this second thing, this mm. alternative factor. No, no it, is, it is, it is, it is. It's not just, oh, a thing to consider. Like, no, it is part of causes. Like, multi-nonlinear causes. And, and it, they know this. this well, no. They, they, they recognise it's it can contribute, but the emphasis is so reduced. Yeah, but it, it shouldn't be. It's funny because... When you listen to neurodiverse people speaking, they are saying so many like, yeah. When they speak, it's like yeah, but it's it's just this. It's it's, this, it's not magical. Uh, this is the thing that I found really hard when I was doing my talks, which were based obviously in the ecological approach. I didn't mention the ecological approach because I don't want to kill everybody. <laughs> In the, first, in the first kind of thing, I, although I did in the course. Um, in, a, in another thing I did, I did mention it because I was intrigued to see how people took it. They were like, oh, this is really interesting. This is so different. I'm like, it, it is, but it also, it isn't. And someone actually replied to me once in the comment and went, this is simple. I'm like, yes, I know. It's simple to read. Is it simple to act on? Uh, yes, if you know how. Yeah, and that that is the the thing, and and everyone's like, "Oh, this is such a revolutionary way of thinking." It's so, and I'm like, "No, it's not. It's ecology." Yeah. This this actually Life. this actually reminds me, Alori, inside of the Discord, she went to do some of her own research about some of the previous articles I've done on the ecological approach, and one of her comments stuck out to me. I didn't realize. This was that old. <laughs> she thought ecological the ecological approach was like brand new science. And I'm like, no, Gibson theorized about this in the 1960s. Cognitivism started in the 1950s. The ecological approach was born 
from cognitivism in the 1960s and was pushed all the way through. But no one took it with any serious note. It was seen as a cult, the Gibsonian cult. You're like, okay, fine. But when you actually look at the way the world works, sociology, psychology, philosophy, um, makes sense. It works. And it's simple. It's simple to explain when you have the language and the words to use. But people need those language and words. Who knows? Maybe the neurodivergent movement will move to, uh, will mold and evolve into the ecological movement. Really nice. That would that that would be my aim, and especially in the business world, because because the most assumptions here that a lot of business owners are neurodiverse, or they have neurodivergent, they have these tendencies. They're either is... diagnosed or they subscribe to the diagnosis of behaviors. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, cool. But most of business, as is most of freaking life, is still on the cognitive approach. Mm-hmm. And so there is, there is a real opportunity for the neurodiverse movement to become the ecological movement. Because the people who are talking about solutions, instead of just saying, oh, we suck, everything's hard for us, more people need to understand us. People who are talking about what they do are talking about, are, are doing it from a philosophy of, from the ecological philosophy. They're, they're doing it without knowing. They just don't know. And, and I've been doing it there, as well. There are there are elements of the ecological approach that when you look at some of the behaviours and actions and the guidance that's given, it wouldn't be accurate. And I think that is where the conflict between what people are currently suggesting and the people that can consume that content, that's where I think the dissonance and the conflict comes. It's where the advice isn't ecologically sound Mm. and people go, nah. And if I think those individuals that are giving that advice would recognize ecological approach and some of the philosophies they have, the way that they explain their approaches would, I think garner less conflict and dissonance the way i would label this (laughs) uh, rather than the ecological approach because that requires a lot of assumptions a lot of science and can get very complex very quickly is needs-based learning it's Mm -hmm. focused on the individual needs because send like special educational needs in schools oh these people have special educational needs no they don't they just have needs that are different from the ones that are currently being met inside the school system which funnily enough is actually more than the people in the send but hey that comes down again to classification of diagnosis of problems and issues and uh, all that bureaucracy rubbish a needs-based system rather than a labels-based system because the only reason you really need a label of ADHD or of autism or of neurodiverse neurodivergent disorder of some sort, the only reason you actually need those labels is because well-being and health requires the label. You can't get support from insert health government agency people, school, because you're not diagnosed. You don't have the label. 
That's the only reason we need the label, because the health systems and the welfare systems require the label. If you don't need the label, and it's focused on needs instead, needs over labels, well, now you can help oh, everyone with their needs and problems. Which, yes, this is idealistic because you can't help everyone all the time because then you've got one-to-one -one teaching. But if that's the ideal world, how do we get closer to that? Focusing on needs. How do we focus on needs instead of giving blanket advice? Look at teaching individuals how to be self-directed learners. <laughs> and a lot of the neurodiverse space are quite self-directed. Well, mm -hmm. they, they are because they needed to be because they needed to figure out how to fit in a neurotypical society. That there is how I would, to me, how I would get people engaged in the ecological approach. Oh, but I needed to learn how to do it myself. Why? Because of the constraints in the environment that you were in, which meant you had to develop skills, which gave you the affordances to act. Hmm. The affordances you gained were the abilities to research and learn well, no, the skills you developed were the abilities to research and learn yourself, which gave you the affordances to do X, Y, Z successfully, however you define success. So now you're or now I'm explaining how the ecological approach has allowed neurodivergent people to emerge without the typical struggles. Ugh, stupid words. But without the struggles that other people have. So when you look at people like Jesse and Jessica, like Jesse J, um, ADHD and Jessica McCabe, like both of those people have skills that other ADHD people don't have. Why? Because they've developed those skills. They wrote a book. Both of them have written books. Most ADHD people would go, oh no, I can't do that. But you can, everyone can. It's not ADHD people can't do thing. It's you have needs that need to be met to be able to write the book. It's the same with everyone. Yeah. Right. Now that we've had a little rant at the end. Yeah, that's quite exciting. Because like I was saying, this is something that I am, at the moment I am in a very unique um, and quite nice uh, environment where the financial element is not as important is not as important as it has been previously Ooh. so that gives me space to do some naughty things where i might piss people off <laughs> and it's been nice like this podcast has helped me like get into that position more and more why do you think I, that is uh psychologically safe it's one two well, you coach me through it, let's be honest. Um, that that coaching element is there. I, I think it is because as I keep exploring it and as I gain awareness of all the things I already knew that I didn't know, because you know. Dunning-Kruger effect. Hmm? The Dunning-Kruger effect. Oh, yeah, obviously, because that exists. <laughs> um. And so for me, my focus can and will be on that 
side of the of business in terms of a needs bit. I like that. Um, I might just whoop, pocket that one because uh, that's quite a nice because that is very accurate to what I do and what I have done naturally when I talk to people and do what I do and when I oh I don't know coach people. Um, that's what coaching that, is. So coaching looks at the yeah. needs of the individual. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. And so that's where my focus, I'm going to be a bit naughty because I'm in the, I am a mole in the neurodiverse space and I'm going to break it down. I'm not ready. Uh, <laughs> and it's well, interesting. You, I've you, been in you, that. You, can, you can be my little spy. <laughs> and it, it, it's going to be interesting because I'm going to ruffle a few feathers because I think it, as you've said, it needs Ow. to be how talking about it <laughs> yeah, but like, how, how are you going to introduce them to it you're going to be like hey i disagree with all of your assumptions <laughs> because i don't think that's going to go down very well <laughs> no of course not that, that, that's not what i do at all <laughs> no i i'm going to approach it from curiosity because that is something that never seemed one of the things, no matter what I've been, I've been through hell recently, like a lot of hell. And I was talking to someone um, and they mentioned how one thing after all the things you've been through, you are still curious. And a lot of people aren't. They lose that curiosity. They, they, they think they don't have curiosity. And I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I would, I would say everyone's still curious. I would say some people lose the, I guess you say, urge to follow yeah. their curiosity. Yeah. And losing that urge to be, to, and I, I think for me, that's how I'm going to approach it. I'm going to approach it from a, a curious, like, what if, I, th I think this is kind of something that I'm going to be writing soon, is what if everything we've been told and I'm trying to think how spicy to be whether I go is wrong. It's not wrong, but it is wrong. And that's that that's that's where the article that I've written, the newsletter article, that, that's how I approached it. It was from a hey, we have built our assumptions on all these things. Yeah. Um, what if what if all of our assumptions are wrong? But yeah. what if they're not actually correct? What if there's an alternative? And I think that's how I'm going to approach it from the business because everyone in business talks about, you know, cognitive load and blah, 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 all of that. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I guess what, what I do is I, I, I play dumb. Mm. Like I play dumb in that I move myself backwards in time to when I was exploring the thing. So when people say, Oh, I don't have the mental effort, whatever to do this. I'd say, Oh, how, how do you measure that? Knowing that you can't measure it. And they'll say, oh, something about you can measure it using this scale, this subjective scale. And they go, but isn't that somewhat subjective? Well, yeah. So how can you say you're mentally fatigued or you don't have enough mental effort if there's no metrics there? Surely insert whatever it is that I want to introduce them to topic. Um, yes, it takes longer to get there, but you accept their explanations 
moving forwards and then like challenge them most of the time from my experience when you challenge them using their own words motivational interviewing um they recognize hey there's something wrong here and you don't even have to tell them what's wrong you don't have to tell them anything you've just sowed a seed of doubt for them to either follow or not and that's what i do yeah which is kind of the hope with the newsletter and the video that's coming out in two weeks three weeks yeah three weeks so oh, three weeks now well no because i'll write the script next week and then i'll spend two weeks editing because editing takes a while that video is going to do one of two things either get a lot of dislikes um <laughs> or get a lot of views or both actually i was going to say or maybe maybe both actually <laughs> but yeah right well that was a, an interesting conversation we went from apps and then evolved towards uh i don't want to say controversial but touchy topic mm -hmm. i would love to have but when more did we stop one and start the other when mm. I, I i could be really philosophical and say how do you define time in this context nah. because if time is overlapping events then we never stopped because we started when, well, technically we, we started born. before we were born. Exactly. Because we have information before we're born. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you say that, um, we started before we were both born. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's, when we, that's when we started switching topics. And everyone yeah. in philosophy will be like, what? <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that with you because events are overlapping <laughs> um, and we start gaining information, knowledge before birth. So yeah, that, that's when the events overlapped. That's a philosoph philosoph philosopher's saying, uh, way of saying, yeah, it don't exist. So thanks for everyone for listening and maybe we'll do some more neurodivergent conversations in the future. We'll have to see. Yeah, probably will. Bye. Bye.